this thing on? If you like rock music, punk, metal, or blues, then you've come to the right place because we like it too. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Soundcheck, the rock and roll and alternative music podcast here at Central Michigan Life. My name is Michael Livingston. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Mullen, and our podcast producer, Ben Ackley. And today we're talking about music, as always. But first, we have some housekeeping. Uh, We have a Twitter. Follow us at SCheckOfficial. Um, you can follow my own Twitter at Michael C. Live. You can follow me at Andrew Mullen 4. Can't follow me. And now, with that out of the way, I would recommend you go and check out last week's episode. For the love of God, check out last week's episode. <laughs> uh, a lot of time and effort went into that, especially on Ben's part. Um, we were trying to record it out of you know, working through all of our busy schedules and, you know, I, I was taking breaks from like my model United Nations thing in order to record that. And it was, it came out like amazing. And that's to do, uh, thanks to Ben Ackley, our podcast producer. He's amazing. Go check that out. Yes. It's probably the best episode we've ever recorded, honestly. I don't know if I'll say that far, but <laughs> It's, it's up there, and I think definitely with the editing, it definitely helps. So, yes, thank you, Ben, so much for, for making that episode happen. Um, but, of course, uh, we, we took a trip to hell last week. It was a crazy time, uh, but luckily we managed to get away. The devil set us free, um, and which is appropriate because now we're, we're off to talk about uh, – actually, it's a very good thing because now we're going to talk about one of Michael's favorite bands. Am I right? Yes, we're talking about Sonic Youth today. One of my all-time favorite acts because they fall into that sweet spot. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned the sweet spot on the episode before, but for me, the greatest decade in music history is between 1985 and 1995. Um, Just because you have all this amazing um, pre-grunge, uh, pre-pop-punk stuff coming out of the late 80s, uh, mainly from the East Coast, Massachusetts, New York, and stuff like that. I'm talking Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., uh, you know, Butthole Surfers, you know, all of the REM too, all of the kind of college rock scene that I tend to gravitate towards the most out of any era in music. And I discovered Sonic Youth um just because my parents would be playing it when I was a kid, but it was actually, I discovered Thurston Moore's solo career um, just on my own. And that eventually led me back to Sonic Youth. Um, And I'll touch on that a little more later, but has Sonic Youth ever been in your guys' life? Um, I know, Andrew, this was something that's been tossed at you a couple times, but this is kind of the first time you really dived in. Is that true? I'd say it's fairly accurate. I mean, of course, I knew of Sonic Youth. I mean, you, like, if you're a huge music fan, especially someone like, like the three of us, you can't escape that name. You can't escape some of the stuff. Of course, I 
new goo. I had it. I think I had a, I think I have it on CD. Um, I heard bits and pieces of daydream nation and experimental jet set and rather ripped, you know, some, some of those songs were familiar to me. However, it was just kind of really the, yeah, it was pretty, that was pretty much the extent of it. It was a very surface level knowledge of what they were. I mean, obviously I knew who Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon were and how good of, you know, front, you know, front man and woman respectively they are. Um, but yeah, beyond like the whole, like the technical aspects and the really just sinking my teeth into the music that really hadn't happened started till recently. Um, I have a significant other who loves Sonic Youth a lot and uh, she made me a playlist a few, few, a few months ago, I think it was like four at this point, uh, to kind of help me start kind of diving through. So a little bit earlier this year, I was kind of starting to explore a little bit. And obviously this researching for this episode was the real big catalyst, kind of really diving into their entire discography. Um, and I, I have to say, I was, like I expected, I was rather pleased. You know, I, I always I always kind of wanted to get into Sonic Youth. I was always kind of afraid to, though. They have one of those discographies, as I like to put it, pretty much the ones that are gigantic and huge with a bunch of different eras and music evolution. So I'm like, I don't know where to start. I'm just, I'm scared. So that's kind of what happened with Sonic Youth. And uh, that's kind of why I avoided doing this for so long and uh, while it was a bit of a was an exhaustive chaotic week for me uh, I managed to uh, listen to every record that uh, studio record the Sonic Youth has to offer all 15 of them and uh, certainly there are ones that I was not as big a fan of you'll probably figure out which one of those later on in the episode but no I think Sonic Youth is a great band and a great 80s alternative alternative rock act wherever you want to put them you know in, in that in that sphere i think they're absolutely fantastic i don't know if i put them up there with my favorite yet but you know i do need more time with them but yes i'm very happy michael you finally pushed me to uh go run through their discography what about you ben when did sonic youth appear in your life hmm well andrew was talking about how he had sort of a surface level knowledge of sonic youth um Mine would be, I don't even, what's above surface level? It's like bird's eye view, maybe. I don't know. Um, I was familiar with, with Kim and Thurston through um, Dim Stars, their mid-90s project that they did with Richard Hell. Uh, because I was really into Richard Hell, and he has two records. Um, so I wanted to hear as much of that as I could. His voice was shot by then. I think that uh, that stuff's fine. But anyway, that was my familiarity. It was like I knew them. The most I've ever heard someone talk about Sonic Youth is you. And it's always just in passing. They'll come up. So that's really been my touchstone was some shit like they did with Richard Hell and then you just talking about them. So obviously, if one of my best friends is talking about a band, I want to get to know them, which it took this episode to do it. I had, you know, I knew Teenage Riot. I had seen the album covers. I had seen Bad Moon Rising and uh, Daydream Nation and I'd seen a lot of this this artwork around and I'd really liked the artwork, but I really hadn't heard the music. So I'm going to say that I find Sonic Youth to be a very polarizing band. And I think this is going to be an interesting episode because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys touched on some really important things. And before we dive into what we're going to do this episode, I'll just uh, give a preface of the main players we're going to be mentioning. Uh, Sonic Youth started in the early 80s when Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon came together. Uh, They would later be married, and uh, one of the 
most iconic uh, couples in alternative rock. Um, they joined up with Lee Ronaldo, lead guitarist, and Steve Shelley, their drummer, uh, for most of their years, not really the early years, but started off as kind of a no-waves uh, act and eventually formed into their own brand and their own style of chaotic noise meets punk meets you know, college rock, whatever you want to call it. And it, it's kind of defined that generation. Um, Sonic Youth music videos are um, kind of iconic. Um, their album artwork, obviously, the progression that they made and the friends that they made along the way. I mean, Ben mentioned one collaborative project, but that's one of dozens. Um, Kim, Thurston, Lee, they all have their own solo projects. They all have collaborated with other artists. And I have to almost guarantee you, if you're talking about an artist from that era, chances are they're friends with either Kim or Thurston or Lee or whoever it may be, or they've worked with someone or anything like that. Everyone from the grunge age to some metal acts, even 90s hip hop people know who Sonic Youth are. Um, they're just like this ever present being throughout that music, that era in music. So it's going to be pretty interesting to dive into such a polarizing discography as Ben puts it, because I would agree with that. Um, they have their high points, they have their low points. And for the most part, Ben, Andrew, and I disagree on where those points are. So to format that for this episode, we thought of no better way to do it than with a tier list of each album, ranking them from uh, S being the highest and E being the lowest. We're going to have to compromise a little bit. We're going to have to hear each other out. Uh, you're going to hear um, some highlights um, from each of the albums uh, in the form of one song to transition from the next album to the next. And it's going to be a pretty fucking awesome episode because this is one of my favorite bands. And I can think of no better way to dive into a discography that's so expansive than with this format. Uh, I'm going to be having the reins over here, putting the albums where they need to be. We're going to have four minutes to decide where we want to put them and kind of debate uh, why they deserve that particular spot. Without further ado, do you guys have anything to add before we launch into this? Um, yeah, I actually, I did, right before we jumped in to the meat of this episode, I did want to ask you one question, Michael, kind of surrounding the band's sound particularly. I know you had mentioned to us previously, and I'm sure you're going to go a little more in depth as we go throughout the discography history, but uh, you kind of, you had sent me and Ben like a video before. I think it was a talk. I think it was like an interview with Lee Ronaldo, kind of talking about you know his, his gear and and his whatnot. And of course, I in researching for this episode, you know, I hear a lot of that discussed. You know, talking about Lee, talking about Thurston, um, and you know, listening to this to this discography. I, I want to put this right. I, I think uh, again, I don't know who the real like the best guitarist is between the two. But I mean, I, I heard some decent picking. I heard some good licks. But technically speaking, from a musicianship standpoint, I don't know if like that's where Sonic Youth's strength is. You know, as far as the music goes, from what you told me, from what I've read, that kind of sounds more like it's from the gear. It's from, uh, you know, as far you know how how they kind of set up that sound, finding that perfect weird guitar tone for the stuff. And I think that's why I think we're trying to use really signs. I was, I wanted to know if, do you think that's like kind of an accurate way of describing it or if there's a better way to kind of put Sonic to use overall sound? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mentioned it on our shoegaze episode. For anyone who hasn't heard that, go check it out. It's 10 songs to get you into shoegaze. But I love bands that just use noise to characterize their sounds, atmosphere, and kind of uh, putting you in this state of mind, in this world that they're trying to make. Um, While I love technical playing, um, as I mentioned in math rock, uh, this is really where Sonic Youth is going to shine is how their production, how they compose these songs, how many layers each of these songs have. And yeah, the amount of gear they use on some of this is just insane. Uh, the, each of the members of Sonic Youth probably own hundreds of guitars, hundreds of musical instruments, hundreds of synthesizers and different ways to put songs together. And I thought it would serve kind of every party in here. Ben, who kind of prefers chaotically putting songs together Andrew, who kind of maybe prefers a more crafted approach, a little more thought to it. And it it just kind of, Sonic Youth is one of those bands that you're going to find something you like, Um, whether it's the noisier side, whether it's the more technical side, it's all there. Um, That would be the the long answer to your question, Andrew. All right. Sounds good. Um, You're ready, guys. I'm more than ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to start the clock. We're going to go in chronological order. Um, And this is just LP releases, not EPs, not singles, anything like that. These are the 15 main studio releases. Four minutes on the clock. Let's start with Confusion is Sex, boys, released in 1983. And I think we can all admit it's dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Shit. Um, Garbage. I think confusion is a great word to put in the style because I was a little confused by what the hell this was. Mm-hmm. I think this album has a purpose. Um, it's you know kind of meant to be a benchmark um, into the no wave scene. Um, you know, it has its roots there, um, but at the end of the day, it, it's it's not even looked at as a pinnacle point in the no wave scene. Ben can probably speak on that. It's it's harsh. It's abrasive. It might fit that aesthetic. Um, but yeah, it, it's low on the list for me just because I know they capitalize on that sound later. Um, right. You know, what do you we're think? starting? We're, we're starting here and this is a good place to start because this is a place that we all agree on. Um, this was, so I listened to discographies chronologically and I had so little familiarity with Sonic youth. This is where I started. And I just, rolled on and i was listening to this and i was like oh come on oh god it's not all gonna sound like this right like it's i i i talked to andrew about it the other day i i think the word that i would use to describe this is amateurish there's a cover on here of um i want to be your dog by the stooges and my band in high school used to play that song and that it just sounds like my band in high school playing that song like the singing is not good the guitar playing is passable this whole thing is just it's 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 a case of this band is a big deal from some of their later great work so let's you know this is the start of it i guess some people probably hold this up and say it's great it's not it's it's shit (laughs) it sucks what about you andrew um well i believe i had this one i'll give my tier ranking for each of these my personal one at least um i mean i put this one in in dt i don't i didn't put any albums 
in, in E, although this one kind of straddled the line. In fact, I had this at the very bottom. I think this is probably the worst uh, Sonic Youth offering that they have. It's the worst thing Sonic Youth has to offer. And uh, you know what? I, I, I like, I, I can appreciate some avant garde stuff, some noise rock stuff. And you know, I, I can have some appreciation for it, even if I'm not personally into it. But yeah, I think Ben kind of was pretty much there when he said amateurish. I mean, this, this, this album came across, like they were trying to do all this atmospheric stuff and it's kind of cool, but it's undone when like Thurston shouted, she's in a bad mood. Like it's, it, it, it's bratty and immature in all the worst ways an album or music can sound bratty and immature. It, it doesn't do much for me. I mean, I, I guess I kind of like the Stooges cover. I mean, it wasn't that great, but I mean, hell, from a lot, I, I heard another cover they did many years later of like Mud Honey, Don't Touch Me, I'm Sick. I think that cover is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think in comparison, when, when you compare that cover to this, I think the Stooges one is fine, but yeah, I can't see myself ever going back to Confusion and Sex, to be perfectly honest. I would agree with you guys. And with uh, that, I think we can confidently put this into the E tier. It's okay to suck when you first start out as long as you eventually become great. minutes on the clock let's talk about bad moon rising you've actually mm. heard a song from this in the last episode with it launched us into our um audio drama uh, halloween did um for this one for me i think this is the best out of the no wave era sonic youth just because it's really aesthetically pleasing it's the most aesthetically co- consistent um it really just stands as kind of a a, a a point in the band's career where they capitalized on the no way of sound and did it in a way that made them stand out from the other acts. Um, it's still not relatively high. Um, I would put this in C or B range, but what did you guys think? Huh. Yeah. Um, I think I had my hopes up for this one. Um, I was, you know, I saw the album cover. I think that this, for me, if this, if this was a ranking of artwork, this would be number one. This would be S tier for me. Um, but I saw the album cover. I knew Halloween. Uh, and honestly, beyond that, it is a very cohesive, coherent release. I just didn't find it all that enjoyable. Like there wasn't that much for me to grab onto. Obviously, out of the three of us, I'm probably the most traditional music listener, pop music listener, per se. Um I, I like Death Valley 69 because they say 69 a lot and I like uh, Manson Murders stuff. So I found that interesting. I think it's cohesive. I think it's a good fall album. I had it in D because it just bored me at the end of the day, though. What about you, Andrew? Um, I was a little mixed. I wasn't 
really sure where to put this one. Um, I, I ended up putting it at the bottom of C tier for me, although that I was trying to at least kind of remain objective with everything. Because personally, I actually personally found this record kind of charming in a weird way. Um, it, it, I, I think uh, the band started to recognize a lot of their flaws coming after Confusion and Sex with their early No Wave stuff. And they were trying to start to really expand on the sound, try to start to improve on a lot of these things. I think Kim Gordon, especially on this record, was really finding her place as a front woman. Um, and, you know, it still has a lot of the same problems, a lot of these really long, drawn out, like atmospheric stuff from Sonic Youth that just didn't go anywhere. But I felt like a lot of the atmosphere served more of a purpose this time. Uh, there, it was slightly, and I mean only slightly more tuneful on this record. But again, I really liked how this album flowed. I think that's where the songwriting actually mm -hmm. really comes into a stretch. Like this, like the, like the actual record, you know, there's some bonus tracks and I, I liked mm -hmm. them, but I think the actual album itself kind of feels like one drawn out song in the way that everything just kind of seamlessly flows together. And I was surprised to hear something like this actually do that so well. Um, I like the lyrical ideas in this record as well. It kind of, you know, kind of explored the dark side of Americana from my understanding, referencing a lot of terrible things happening in America. And well, it was the eighties. There's certainly no shortage of that stuff. So yeah, you know, I, I, as, as Primitive as it kind of is, I think it. I think that actually works. It helps the record's aesthetic. It's Halloweeny, fall, scary stuff. Mm -hmm. it, as primitive as primitive as it is, I think it actually helps make it more charming. Even though it does have some of the same flaws that uh, uh, a lot of the same flaws that Confusion of Sex had, I, I, I was able to overlook more of them because of the, the aesthetic and the and the way it was able to the way they crafted this record together. Um, Thurston still had more to go as a vocalist. I'd like to hear le more interesting guitar playing, which we will be getting moving forward. But uh, for right now, yeah, yeah, this is just a little charming record that I can see myself putting on every once in a while. So, so I, think we, I think we'll meet a good compromise here because I had it in B, Ben had it in D, and you had it in C. Can we meet right in the middle there, Ben, and do a C? Works for me. Cool. All right. Starting on our next release, we are going to Evil, which is now Sonic Youth is on SST Records. You'll know that famously as Greg Ginn's uh, from Black Flag. That's his label. And now they're surrounded by all these punk guys, um, but they're still trying to cling on to this no wave sound. And I see Evil as a really transitional record. This is the the SST age in general is really transitional. They're going from this atmospheric, no wavy sound to more punky, a little more uh, melodic, a little more uh, bob your head kind of music. And, you know, for this one though, I don't think it's the strongest out of the SST era. That would be the next one's sister. I had this in B uh, simply because it, I love um, Kim on this record. I loved, um, what was the song? The Shadow of a Doubt. I think that was a perfect atmospheric song with the harmonics and everything. It just really stood out. And Green Light, 
is the precursor to them getting a little more punky, a little more agitated. Um, so I put it in B personally, but I would be okay with it going a little lower just because it was, it's still a transitional album and it's, there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, I'm sure the band, if they were to able to redo that album, they would. Um, let's start with Andrew though. Andrew, what do you think? Um, you need to call this a transition record because I think I've said in the show before, I've, I've often very interested in an artist transition record because I think that's where you can get some really interesting sounds. Um, on this case, I'm a little more indifferent. Um, I think they were, you can definitely hear improvements. They're definitely moving away from that no wave stuff, um, which I think is a ended up proving a large benefit for them. And I think sounds like SST was a kind of a good influence on them in this case, kind of seeing them in a more punky, louder direction. Um, but you can still tell that they're still trying to struggle finding their ways. Um, I, I agree with you. I think Kim was absolutely fantastic. And I think she's really, she's really started to come on her own at this point. Um, you know, I, and there was actually some songs in there that actually had hooks, which I, which I appreciated. Stuff like Star Power, stuff like In the Kingdom. I, I, those are songs that are really big highlights for me. But uh, in the end, I was just kind of like, eh, I, I want more from this. So I ended up putting it in, uh, I think, at the bottom of B tier. But again, I would also, I think C tier is a pretty, pretty decent place to put it. Yeah. Um, well, I have a confession to make at the start of this for a long period of this discography i do not like kim gordon's voice i think she has a very unique voice and i can see how people like it but i don't know that i i put evil and e which i would not do if i was doing it objectively at this moment i'd probably put it yeah closer to c like right after bad moon rising as one of the I think it's a, a pretty good record. I was just, I, I listened to the first two Sonic Youth albums and then I listened to this and this was more, you know, like getting closer to just ordinary indie of the time period. Mm -hmm. But I was full of rage <laughs> because I had, I had listened to Confusion is Sex and I was like, oh my God, stop. And then I had listened to Bad Moon Rising and it was like one, song essentially um and i just really wanted you know i wanted to hear some some fucking hooks and i guess i kind of got them here but not really and i wasn't there yet c tier is where i'd put this it's it's just i mean it's really not that memorable for me i i do not remember a lot of this album mm -hmm. i can agree with you there are we gonna agree we'll put it c tier but definitely after bad moon rising yeah i'd say i think close i think yeah c tier is a good place uh, michael is there a song that you'd want to highlight from this record before we move on like i said green light is is the one for me keep on rolling then because uh, we're clearing these pretty quick another four minutes on the clock and now we're going to sister 
And I got to talk about this one for a hot minute because Mr. <laughs> is my favorite Sonic Youth record because it's still noisy as hell. I mean, every song sounds like a beehive, just like buzzing in your ears and just like, you know, so abrasive, so insane, but also so incredibly catchy. Um, Stereo Sanctity, Sanctity. I don't know. That's my favorite Sonic Youth song. Catholic Block is another one. Um, Just like tons of underrated stuff and schizophrenia being the big one from this one. Just like those powerful chords that you get all throughout there. You finally get some hooks. Um, But, you know, towards the B side of the record, you get what Sonic Youth is famous for and that noisy stuff. Pipeline, Kill Time. That's a great Lee Lee Ronaldo cut. Um, You know, Tough Gnarl too. Hotwire My Heart, that's a cover. I thought that was a strong cover. Sonic Youth's not known for strong covers, but I thought that one was okay. Um, yeah, I, I had this one in S tier, guys. I know you're going to disagree, and that's okay, because I've listened to Sonic Youth longer, and I'm willing to compromise. But I don't know if I can put it under C. Definitely not. I, maybe not even under B. But what did, what did you think? Um, I'll, I'll take this one. So, yeah, this this is... I remember messaging y'all in the group chat when I started listening to sister and I was like, Oh my God, you guys, there are like drums and the tempos are varying and there are hooks. I'm, 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 I'm starting to understand this for me. Sister is my starting to understand album. I still, I had it in D mine's kind of, my list kind of rash. Honestly, I had it in D just because there wasn't a lot that stuck out to me. I really love the song tough gnarl. I liked what was the, what was the opener on this? Schizophrenia is pretty cool, but to me, I don't know. I, I've heard. I feel like I've heard stuff similar that I liked more. I think that um, Thurston Moore is getting into his his really good singing here. Like it took him a few albums to get there and really figure out his voice, but I think he's getting there here. And I think the songs are getting stronger. And it, this is you know you're watching the band grow here, and we're getting to the first record where I enjoyed myself. So that is a big positive. And I'd be fine with putting it in B. I'd definitely be fine with putting it above all that we've talked about so far. Um, Michael, I'm actually kind of pretty close to you. I put Sister at the bottom of the S tier. I, I, I know you had said that, listen to Sonic Youth. Um, you, we were talking and you, you'd said that this was going to go in S tier. And, and really, I couldn't really disagree and kind of made me think that it should go in S tier as well. I, I don't know. I, I I think this is it's so bizarre to me that we jumped just from evil, which was okay. It was decent. I had some stuff. I was liked it. There were actually a couple tracks that I uh, remember that were kind of memorable to me. And we jumped to this. And it's just the quality difference. It's just insane to me. Uh, we're, getting a, we're getting a lot more tremolo picking, really fierce, aggressive tremolo picking, and just – just does just, just sonic assault now like they've re- they're really starting to lean into the punk stuff and of course obviously that's gonna uh, resonate with me quite a bit um you know i'm glad you mentioned catholic block if there's any song i would highlight it's probably gonna be that one i think that's a tremendous song sarah sanctity is great of course as well i mean really i i i, I think because because typically i try to keep back track of the songs that i liked an album like liking them on spotify and i have every song on here liked i I, I really enjoyed this. Um, I think musically, the band's now finally starting to come on their own. They're finally starting to diversify themselves. And this kind of almost feels like a new era. It's less, it's definitely still has some atmosphere to it, but th- this is moving towards a much louder, um, 
you know, a more aggressive version of Sonic Youth. For sure. Ben, would you be willing to compromise and put it in A tier? Just, just give me this one. You got it, baby. Put it there. I think it's a perfect place for it. Top of A. Now we're getting into the big boys. The big this, boys. This is, this is the big boys era. Uh, we're we're going to 1988, and it's the one that everyone looks at. Besides Goo, um, this is the one where everyone kind of looks at that candle on the cover, and they're like, "Okay, there it is. It's it's Daydream Nation." And this one's been mixed in so many different ways. And Teenage Riot, of course, is the big single off this that you hear everywhere, just like the anthem of the early, uh, the late eighties, early nineties, really. Um, this album is atmospheric. It takes you back. It, it kind of puts you in an ethereal state, but somehow is still just assaulting you with that noise. It has the fast song, Silver Rocket for one, uh, the sprawl. The sprawl is my favorite Kim Gordon song, uh, just flat out. Um, hey, Joni is a great Lee Ronaldo one. Um, but, you know, just so much variety and so much flavor on this record, so much character. It's, it's the trademark Sonic Youth sound uh, for me. And, you know, I can, I can be that guy. I can be that pretentious guy and say, oh, it's not as good as the other records. Let's put it in like B or something. But I really cannot argue. It's S tier for me. Like, and it never stopped being S tier for me. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, before I go, Michael, can I ask you a question? Would you... So I know like Goo is probably the like the most like I don't know if it's the most like accessible record, but it's probably the most commercially like for any casual fan of Sonic Youth, that's probably the most well-known record. Would you agree? I would agree. Um, do you think then um, Day Daydream Nation is the, the the hardcore fans' favorite record? It's it's the it's the hardcore fans' favorite record that they know cannot be like undermined or disputed as being just like amazing okay. uh, like goo you can have your your doubts with you you can say it's a little cheesy the lyrics aren't there you can say it's a little forced but like daydream nation is just creativity it's just passion it's everything sonic he's been leading up to uh, i mean it's just undisputed uh, just a champion of records mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, and you know what? I, I have to agree. I mean, I th <laughs> uh, there's one record I personally enjoyed more, and we'll get to that later. But uh, if if that record didn't exist, yeah, Daydream Nation is that for me. And I know that's probably a very un very normy choice, but I don't care. This record kicks ass in every way. Um, again, you have a lot of fire behind this band. I don't know if this band has ever sounded as aggressive and epic and just wild as on, on as they did on this record while also maintaining like you said michael some of that atmosphere some of that um just just some all the stuff that you love about sonic use still part of it um and i think this is where i think both like both thurston and kim are great and i i want to use this record to highlight kind of my thoughts on them real quick because i don't both of them i don't think are good vocalists to be honest like again i'm going to refer back to that touch me i'm sick cover Thurston sounds terrible on that. I, I'm just going to say, he can't sing. He's not Mark Arm. But I, I think as front as a front man and a front woman, they, they, they're really good in that sense. They're trying to convey emotion, try to convey the atmosphere. Kim has this really cool calculated delivery that I love. Um, and, you know, Thurston, you know, has this kind of wild energy about him that I also really like. But they both dial it down when they need to. Um, I think... I, I think this is the record where they're really like starting to say, okay, these are our weaknesses. We can't really like super high. can't hit these great vocal ranges. Let's work around that. Hey, we're not the most, you know, technical musicianship wise and the most technically gifted musicians. Let's, you know, go, let's just go all on and salt with these tremolo picks. Let's go in and out. There's all this noise and create and just, just really long passages where we're kind of throwing around licks every now and again. I think this is where they really start to understand the weaknesses and they start to build around that, which I really appreciate. S, S tier, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this one's definitely up there for me. It was not my absolute favorite, um, but Andrew's exactly right. When you're when you're listening to Day, to Daydream Nation, you're hearing a band really figure out how they should sound, and uh, they're right. This is almost perfect. This is this is a record where lots of stuff stands out to me right away. Teenage Riot, obviously, Eric's Trip, Total Trash has a sick riff. I love that. Hey, Joni is amazing. Candle, Kissability is probably my favorite Kim Gordon song, although we might hear one later that I like more. Um, but just, just, you know, boiling it down, figuring out exactly how they should sound, and... Honestly, I mean, I'm probably even more of a normie by liking Goo more, but we'll get there. Um, this is excellent. The only issue I really ever had was song length, which I am going to have a little talk about song length later. You know, I'm the song length guy. I don't think that Hyperstation needs to be seven minutes long. I don't think Hyperstation needs to be on the album. Um, but th I, if Daydream Nation could have done anything better, I think they could have used some editing. But other than that, A tier for me, I'm so comfortable putting it in the S tier. I've seen this album cover everywhere, and I get why people love it. And I'm getting there. All righty. Michael, uh, before uh, we move on, any song you want to highlight for us? Ooh, uh, definitely The Sprawl. Mm. Kim Gordon. Uh, fuck you. Is fuck you <laughs> that's, that's the That's the line. That's the line. Is fuck you simple <laughs> enough?
we'll continue on. This is the album cover that you really see everywhere. Um, we won't read out that that phrase right in front of you, but Goo uh, has all of the. It's just it just sounds like the '90s. It's the turn of the decade going into 1990, and they fully embrace it. I mean, Dirty Boots just so memorable. That music video of like the the under the show and the like the two kids like falling in love and like they they stage dive and stuff. It's just like it just it's it's the 90s dream it really is and then there's just other stuff on here that gets so deep with the lyrics and just cuts you so much like tunic the one that it goes right into like that's a great kim gordon one uh and then like cool thing obviously is amazing you've heard that before on our uh political anthems one great feminist message with that uh and then moat just lee ronaldo coming out of the gate with just a strong strong song um this this album though for me falls in a tier rather than s tier simply because some of the songs don't really hit not a friend of my friend goo or i'm not a friend of that song i should say (laughs) uh cinderella's big score just like really when it gets to the end uh i just kind of fall off everything after disappear really just like doesn't really hit for me um but just like the singles that came off of this album made it good, made it great, and made it memorable, um, at least for me. What would you guys think? Want me to go, Ben? Yeah, hit it, Andrew. Sure. All right. Uh, obviously, I knew Goo. I actually – this is one of the only Sonic Youth record I think I owned before this, and I know it's such a – oh, all the hardcore Sonic Youth fans, they hate me. That's okay. You're going to hate me even more, move forward. Guarantee it. Um no, I, I I agree with you, Michael, 100%. I think Goo right, belongs right next tier. It's close. It's so close hitting that next tier level, but it just has a couple. It does fall fall out the end for me as well. I think my friend Goo is also kind of goofy. I'm not really for it. Um, <laughs> and I think when you get to something like Moat, I think that starts to set a trend where – and it, granted, it, it honestly – probably started well before it but like the moment is where i really started to notice they like to take their sweet time ending songs like way too long it's just noise all this feedback and whatever uh, i think the most a good example is like oh that song would be really good if they ended it like two minutes instead of just do like we're gonna do feedback forever okay cool um as much as I do think there are some flaws with this record, I mean, Goo Stand is popular. I think it's popular for a reason. It, it, it's a great record, cool thing. Um, arguably one of the most well-known, definitely one of the most well-known songs, and you can see why it's catchy. It's It's got this great attitude about it. Um, Dirty Boots is great. Song for Can- I, I love, like, the first half of this record is phenomenal, like, truly phenomenal. I think right up there with the stuff, quality-wise, the stuff you heard on the... Uh, on a daydream nation and I, I think you're definitely in this era of like we're just going to be really loud i mean these are like like it's you know um daydream nation goo and i think the next record we're going to talk about are in the we're going to be loud kind of fast uh really aggressive you know era and i and uh and i think it's they slowly slide to start down and quali- slide down in quality as they move further uh in, in in this time of their career but i can't deny that goo is great so a tier for me yeah, I like Goo a lot. Actually, my friend Goo, y'all have been shitting on it. I like that song a whole lot. Of course you do, Ben. Of course and it's dumb. I mean, it's dumb as hell. I'm not gonna say it's not, but it's this band fucking having fun for once. 
and I can hear them having fun, you know, like I'm sure they're having a great time in the studio, but you, you don't, you don't ever, I don't ever feel like I get a real sense of the band having fun up until this album. That's why I like goo a lot for little moments like that. Cool thing. Having Chuck D in there, which we talked about earlier this season. I love Chuck D obviously. Um, so goo and, uh, and Daydream Nation were neck and neck for me, but Goo run out. Goo won out just because it felt like they took what I liked about Daydream Nation, condensed it, and added some some more fun little elements that I liked. Lee Number Two is an unreleased song from Goo, and I liked that song a lot too. I, I didn't go into unreleased material too much, but I I was just intrigued and I listened to it and I liked it all as much as anything on the album, honestly. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm comfortable with this going right behind daydream nation i'm comfortable with this at a tier that's where i had it um so so a tier but in front of sister so uh, like yeah. right behind daydream yeah i think yeah i think that i think that's proper okay on now to the one i thought andrew would behold because this is um when you know the band is meeting nirvana they're they're kind of lumped into the grunge group now they're uh they're kind of one of those bands and they're they're taking sounds from that and putting it on this double lp dirty released in 1992 and i mean right away you got some classics on here 100 percent being the main one and sugarcane but you have a lot of great underrated songs on this. Wish Fulfillment is the best Lee Ronaldo song, in my opinion. His vocals just hit so great on it and so emotional. And then Chapel Hill, too. I mean, that's my, that's my dad's favorite Sonic Youth song, and that's the one that was kind of thrown at me really early in life. It's just a really great, consistent song. Now, here's where it dies for me. Um, it's too fucking long. <laughs> Like, it's just too much material. Um, I would have liked to have seen this split up on two LPs. They could have really just narrowed down this sound more and really carved out their own place in the grunge scene if they would have just cut out some of the weaker tracks. I mean, it, and it really just comes in on the, on the B side. I mean, for me, the album dies after Chapel Hill, really. I mean, Creme Brulee, probably after Creme Brulee is where it dies for Michael. me. Michael. I gotta, I gotta interrupt you in that case. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Because Creme Brulee on the original um, track listing is the final song. Mm, okay. So you, we're getting those unmarked deluxe edition bonus tracks. Those were like B-sides of singles and stuff. Just remember, we're doing this from Spotify. 
But yeah. Spotify, <laughs> confusing as hell. They did not label them, but that's I've been going on Wikipedia, checking out the track list, and Creme Brulee is the original ending. I think Stalker was on uh, the Japanese um, CD and vinyl, but that is Creme Brulee is the original ending. The point still stands, though. I mean, even songs before that are kind of weak, but what about you, Andrew? What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I can kind of see why you said Dirty would have been, you thought Dirty would have been my favorite. Um, you know, it's grungy. Everyone knows I love punk, like thrash metal and like 90s alternative. Those are like my big three genres. Um, those are just the stuff I kind of, plus other genres I do kind of stand for. But I, that's, that's where a lot of my music love lies. And uh, yeah, I can guess, so I see why you said dirty, but you know, I was left rather disappointed, you know? I mean, I still have this one in B tier. I still think it's pretty solid. Um, there are great songs in here. I think Chapel Hill is a good example. Um, I really like uh, Drunken Butterfly, Wish Fulfillment. Youth Against Fascism is, is fun as well, but uh, you know, I mean, in the end, it was. I think it also was a little too overbloated. I think this album did drag on. Granted, I did check the track listing. I did see it ended at Crambulet, and I still think it's too long, and I still think it needs to be cut back a bit. Um, and this is honestly a trend we're really going to see with this mm. band moving forward, the next three or four records. It's 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 honestly too much. Um, it, it just kind of gets in the way of me enjoying it. So... Yeah, I mean, it's good. I like it. I like a lot of these songs, but like single wise songwriting, it just the, the hooks, the songwriting is not as strong as the previous two. So interesting. Ben. See, I find that very interesting. You guys are calling this bloated when I feel like, honestly, relative to dirty, I think Daydream Nation is bloated. Um, <laughs> like 100% swimsuit issue, sugarcane youth against fash, some Chapel Hill purr. I liked this album a lot. This was in my S tier. Mm -hmm. This this just works for me. I can't tell you why. I, I I like the rock and roll. I like that the longest song is six minutes. They're not wasting seven minutes. Well, they're not wasting, you know, they're not spending five minutes of my time on a great song and then two minutes on the the long ending or the instrumental passage that goes nowhere that was my big issue with sonic youth before this album and i feel like they cut that out maybe it's too commercial maybe it, the album in general is a little long i think that sonic youth likes to take their time and sometimes that time is worth it and sometimes it ain't mm -hmm. but this one yeah i think swimsuit issues great kim gordon song that's probably my favorite on here although youth against fascism is awesome chapel hill i love songs inspired by true events that's another one it's an interesting one to for you have to heard when you were younger, Michael. But uh, yeah. yeah, this one's a big one for me. I S or A is where I think it should end up. Where do y'all Where do y'all want to put it? We've we've been ha you've been having to compromise a lot, Ben. I would be fine with putting it on the very tail end of A, um, like just about to fall into B. Yeah, um, because I know Andrew and I both had a B, but it's a strong B for me. So I, it could okay. be on the tail end. Me too. Yeah, I, I'm fine with it being an A. All right. There we go. Day. 
Now we're moving into experimental jet set, trash, and no star. I don't know what the fuck that means, but <laughs> it came out in 1994. That's all I know. And there's a there's there's a couple good ones off here, but the main one being Bull in the Heather. Um, that one has been covered by a plenty of people. It just, it, you know, they experiment with the, that, those sounds of like strumming behind the nut on the guitar, um, a lot of buzziness on there. And Steve Shelley's drumming is just, I mean, it's, it's Michael it, Steve Shelley's talked about what would you say that it's post nut strumming? <laughs> yes. Yes. Jesus Christ. My God. <laughs> <laughs> Back on topic. Steve Shelley's drumming is just underrated in general. I mean, this guy can hold. Oh, I agree. I mean, especially there's um, there's some records later where I'll talk about that. But yeah, I agree. I think he really uh, is an underappreciated member of this band. Here's here's where it really, I put it very low on my list. I'll be honest with you guys, and it's because up to this point, Sonic Youth has had a distinct sound for every album, and I get it. Um, Andrew, you've made this a, a huge point in just how you listen to music. It's okay for a band to just be consistent. It's okay for them to just kind of extend a sound for another album. Um, but for me, it just feels like it's a cardinal sin for a band like this to just basically take what they did on the last three records and just do it over again in kind of a hodgepodge on this album. Um, it, it doesn't stand high for me, and it, it just makes me sad. To, and it's kind of the benchmark going into Sonic Youth's um, really kind of horrible years um, as we're coming out of the 90s. It's, it, it's not strong for me. I, had, I think I had it in D tier. Um, it almost even falls in the E, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I know you guys probably had it a little higher maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, mine is short and sweet. I had this record in B, and the main reason for that is winter's blues the opening track it's two minutes long and this was that this was the moment that i got it before this i was hearing lots of songs that i liked quite a bit i was hearing lots of stuff where i was like oh yeah this this is really nice i really understand why other people like this i like you know i'm pulling out songs from everything but winter's blues i was like okay i understand you distilled what is cool about you into two minutes you got like the vocals sound like shit on that song they're like muffled and it sounds like it's coming through like a broken bass amp and it's just someone nicely toodling on the acoustic guitar and the rest of the album yeah forgettable like there are a few other songs bull in the heather definitely a great song i like sweet shine as well but it does feel like an extension of sort of their their sound up to this point i guess but Winter's Blues, I just have to make mention of this album for that. This was when I said, I get it now. Okay, I can understand. I love this song. It was one of those songs where you hear it and immediately you're like, I love this song. You know? Yeah. So th that was my, 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 little, my little moment that I had with this album today. Andrew, 45 seconds. All right, yeah, I had this one in C tier. I mean, it was fine. Like, I, I was like, I, I always knew, known about Bull and Heather, but I mean, I, I, I was never crazy about the song. And honestly, that's kind of my, my sums up my thoughts on this record. I like it, but I'm not crazy about it. Like, there's just, 
I, I like when this band does dial back the sound as far as being a little quieter, a little more subdued and trade off for interesting musicianship, um, particularly with the later material. Spoiler there. But um, this is not a record where that really happened. It's nothing really stuck out to me very strongly. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of a song that, I mean, I liked Androgynous Mind. Um, Bone was kind of cool. That's really, I mean, it's really about it for me. I don't really. It just doesn't really stand out to me. I was, I've seen this album cover everywhere, so I was expecting this to be a really strong record, but I was kind of disappointed. So, I don't know, guys. Can we just put it right in the middle, maybe on the tail end of C? Um, yeah, I think that's I fine. In B, you had it in C. Ben, what'd you have it in again? It was in B, but yeah. that's really for one song. So, okay. yeah, put it in C. Let's see. Sounds good. Now, this is this, this is where I, I get a little disappointed in my boys. I mean, hmm. Washing Machine is an iconic album cover. The two boys with the Sonic U shirts on. Um, it's it's really it's the song. It's the album that I see on like all of the internet forums. You know, it, whenever there's a meme made about Sonic Youth, I see this album cover. Um, but I just don't get the point of it, man. Like I. <laughs> I love uh, the Diamond Sea, which Ben's going to talk about more. But, like, I don't know. Little Trouble Girl is good, too. But, like, the A-side kind of sucks. And I don't know. I want you guys to take the primary one of this. All, all you should know is that I put it in D just because, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's It, it seems like Sonic Youth's just bringing back the noisiness from, uh, from Goo and a little bit of uh, – you know, sister, but just kind of like kind of corrupting it. I don't know. Yeah. It, they're just not catchy and they're not memorable songs. No. At least for me. But God. the Diamond C is a creative um stake in, in their it's a creative benchmark in their discography. I don't know. Do you want to talk about that a little more? Yeah. Michael, I've I've got good news for you. And the news is that you've got it. You get it. You get this album just as much as I do. This album is my top Sonic Youth album for the Diamond C. That is fucking it. Because I figured it out. Sonic Youth made me sit down for 20 minutes and listen to a song by a band that I was at, before that point, developing animosity for. I was like, oh my God, get it over with. So many songs I felt like were too long. Then they played for 20 minutes and I loved it. And here's why. I, I figured it out. A, a long song works for me when you've got a carrot on a stick. Sonic Youth wrote the Diamond Sea, which is, I think, four verses. And those verses and those melodies and that like three chord progression is excellent. So if you want to, you can, you can play that for three, five minutes 
and then descend into noise and sounds as long as you go back, as long as you got that carrot on the stick driving me forward to getting me back to that point. Because it's it's this song washes over you and you're like, oh, that's such a pleasant melody. I guess Beck covered it on acoustic guitar at some point live. I haven't been able to find it, but but oh my gosh, that's their best melody in my opinion is the Diamond Sea and the the lyrics are pure poetry not too much and then they do there are so many cool guitar effects and they go on and on and there's noise and the noise washes over you and then the song comes back and then the noise washes over you again could could the diamond sea be 13 minutes long instead of 19 yes but if i if i want the diamond sea to end early then i just press the pause button and now the diamond sea is over and the song is it's oh my god like this is like television's marquee moon it's like stairway to heaven it's it's it needs to be that long i don't know why it made me sit down and listen to it i loved it i loved it so much washing machine is in fucking s tier because of this one song i don't give a shit about the rest of the album if this was the only song that sonic youth ever made i would love sonic youth and they'd be my favorite band. This song is genius. It's Neil Young. It's Bob Dylan. It's everything. <laughs> Andrew. How oh, I don't know how, how am I supposed to follow that. <laughs> I don't know, but that may have swayed me, man. I might. We- you know, you know, you know uh, here's what I'll say about Washing Machine. I think it's fine. I mean, I mean, really, I had this one in B tier, kind of the middle of B tier. Um, you know, I, I enjoy it overall i don't i don't kind of i don't agree with you with you guys at the top of the record i kind of like the attitude of this record it's a little snarky but in more of a playful way rather than uh what you got in like confusion to sex I, I don't want to bring that record up anymore uh you know i, I like the, the opener because i like the title track uh old child girls cool too and you know and i well i'm gonna in a second i'm gonna change my tune about these ridiculously long song like over seven minutes you know i mean i was putting up with i thought they were really good on a daydream nation um but they're gonna start to really buck me here in a second and i'll explain it but honestly if they were gonna write a 20 minute song that was the way to do it i agree it's just the dips and dives on that track like they look wow you guys have like you guys aren't just trying to do noise for like 10 minutes that's cool like they're actually trying to like make a song out of like 20 minutes of time but that that song didn't feel like it had wasted space unlike the next record which we'll get to but no this this record i i think it's, it's a solid i i like diamond c is really good um the rest of the record you kind of have to pick and choose it could have been probably cut down it should have been cut down to be honest but no uh for a mid 90s uh sonic use record this is pretty decent so bottom of bottom middle b tier for me I, I will I will agree I will I will compromise and put it in B just from Ben's monologue there I mean <laughs> yeah the Diamond C deserves its appreciation and it, it honestly could have been the whole album and just the Diamond C cut up in various parts um, I don't know Ben do you can you agree on that first one in B Yeah I mean that I think that's the perfect place cut out fuck the rest of the songs Yeah there are some other cool songs I'm not gonna say that it sucks other mm-hmm. than the Diamond C but the diamond c it's an ep just say it's an ep it's in b i think it's the best sonic youth song personally it's excellent time takes its crazy toll mirror falling off the wall 
look into his eyes and you shall see why everything is quiet and nothing's free i wonder how he's gonna make her smile and love is All right, I think this one uh, we're going to end up speeding through. So now we're going into, we're closing out the 90s. It's 98, and Sonic Youth puts out A Thousand Leaves. Um, there's a lot of turmoil going on in the band right now as we're leaving the 90s and going into the 2000s. I think this is where Kim and Thurston's relationship starts to have its first bit of rocky moments. Um, and, you know, I think there was uh, starting to be some lineup changes, a lot of guests and appearances and stuff like that mm -hmm. and it the result of it was just a really underwhelming um album for me um i really loved hoarfrost but i can't really think of a song other than that that really it does what sonic youth is supposed to do and put you in this nice atmosphere and then crush you with noise out of nowhere um I can't think of a memorable song off this guy's really besides that. Uh, can you help me out? Is there anything uh, you guys pick from this? No, that's horror frost was mine. I, I, the, a thousand leaves I think starts with the perfect example of something from Sonic youth that I don't like, which is contre le sexism, mm -hmm. um, which is the opener. And it's just like, it's, it's like twang, blang, blong, little guitar feedback and Kim Gordon is speaking of some such bullshit over top of it. I wouldn't say I, some such bullshit because the, the high point for me was Kim's lyrics on this when it comes yeah. to feminism stuff. I think it's strong. Think fair, it's strong. fair. The lyrics are strong, but then make it a poem. I, there, there are just times like that where you can say, I, I was reading on Wikipedia that this was when they, they made their own uh, studio for this album. And it sounds like a band starting to bloat. You can say, oh, I could make a noise collage and talk over it for four minutes. Or you could not do that. Like they, the members of Sonic Youth have so many side projects that they have outlets for these things, these interesting things that they want to do. Um, and the, yeah, this is just sort of bloat, I'd say. There, there's not that much to grab onto here. Um, I gotta say, I agree with Ben on, I think bloat is pretty much the, the word I used to describe this over bloated. Um, again, Michael, I, I really, um, again, this is chaotic week. So I didn't dive much into the lyrics with some of these. So I don't doubt what you're saying about that. There's some really strong feminist lyrics. That's the case. It's maybe it'll rank a little high on my list, but I put this one at D I'm sorry. I just, I couldn't, this is <laughs> like, this, there were like, hold on. There were one, to like there were at least three songs on here that were over f nine minutes one's 11 minutes and they're unlike the diamond sea it's just the noise and a lot of tremolo picking but at this point they don't they use that so much where it's like it's boring to me at this point like and i, I don't want to hear that for two minutes like it's just jesus christ i don't know this record was just way too much this was like trying to cram so much sonic youth of what they everything they do which is this just monster you know ball of just noise and it's just quite frankly just i, I 
it's kind of like oh, I was always being reminded of Tool, where I was like, I was listening to this, and I'm like, I I can maybe handle this in like short bites in like a song, but I do not want, you know, how long was this record? I do not want an hour and thirteen minutes of this. So, mm-hmm. it, it was yeah, this record's just too much. Um, so yeah, D tier for me. D, D, boom, bye bye. I, this is where we get a little very divisive, actually polarized, even. Um, so, Michael, so <laughs> can I can I start by on this one by asking you questions? We're talking about NYC Ghosts and Flowers, which is yeah. uh, released in two thousand. Uh, is it weird that I actually like this one, Michael? It's so weird. This, is, <laughs> this album came out the year I was born, and I'm honestly kind of like ashamed of that. <laughs> Just because, like, <laughs> this is the perfect example of what Ben's saying. Like, they get a studio and they're like, we can do whatever we want. We don't have record execs or anything on our ass. Like, hell yeah, let's do it. And the, the result is this noise collage that comes, that's inspired off freeform jazz. And it's like they're trying to call back to their No Wave era stuff, but put, like, this twist on it. And it just fucking falls flat. Like, I, I can't think of a single good song off this. Like, they're just all bad. They're all unlistenable, even. Like, I, I don't know. Like, even when there's, there's like, 30 seconds of, like, a good tune going on, it just gets knocked on its face. I, for me, it came into eats here. I don't know how this came up so high for you, Andrew. Well, I want to hear what Ben has to say first. and then. Maybe oh, we'll... yeah. I mean, what I'm going to say is just going to sound like what Michael has to say, which is <laughs> boring. Who cares? Move on. Like, it was, I couldn't hum you something from this album. It was just, and it was 40 minutes and it felt like and two hours. It was just, make it stop (laughs) this was what i was afraid of when i was listening to stuff you know they're really early stuff i was like oh is this all gonna sound like this it's just gonna get like sonically slightly better sonically um no this is this is a very bad example of sonic youth why do you like this andrew uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, please explain yourself. No, so, okay. So, okay. Here, listen, I, I like looking. So I was like looking at, there's this website called Sputnik music. If you go there, it's like, a, like it like pretty much a bunch of amateur, like 
album reviewers who come in and write why this record's good or whatever. Um, and it, 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 I don't need, I'm the only way I use that record is just to kind of gauge fan opinions on, on like records from bands. Like, like, I, like, I, so I went in here just kind of like, because that's all it's good for against amateurs. Anyone can review on there. And I went there and I was like looking at this and this is the era. It's like a thousand leaves. Um, you know, this one, the next one we're going to talk about Murray street, Sonic nurse, these four records. And like, I've been on the internet for a while, you know, music internet for a while, and I've seen most of these Sonic Youth artworks somewhere. Like, all these looked familiar to me, except for those four. And this one especially, I, like, I did not recognize this one at all. Looking at, like, the reviews on there, it was generally low. I'm like, oh, God, I, this is going to suck. Went in here with no expectations. And I was, like, as I was, like, listening to the first three tracks, going through Free City Rhymes and Renegade Princess, you know, I was, like, why, why do I like this? Like, I, I don't, like, the, I, I don't know. Like, there was something about this that I really liked the builds to this track. I think that's the thing I really enjoyed. Like, after hearing just these long, overbloated tracks, it just seemed to not have, a, like, a ton of, like, thoughtful structure to them. Like, I, I, re I, I really enjoyed just being able to sit back and just listen to this band kind of slowly build up to a crescendo in a natural way, and I really appreciated it for that. Um, you know, and I thought, and you guys, it's based on freeform jabs. I know that's not, not a very hooky record, but unlike something like Confusion of Sex or Bad Moon Rising or anything, these band, the band's actually matured by this point. So, you know, they, they know kind of their strengths and their weaknesses. So I think they were able to capitalize on that. I think it's a really, I think this is a, this is a really interesting record. It has its, you know, dark moments, but also has this kind of lighter, you know, more beautiful moments. And I, again, I really appreciate the range that they're able to portray on this record. And then, I, I don't know, I think the backstory of this record is a little interesting too. From my understanding, they had like a lot of their gear, like their main gear stolen before, um, they were, they were record, they had to record. So they had to kind of dive back into some of their older gear and instruments that the band had used in forever. And, uh, you know, I, I just kind of the way this record came together, I, I, I really appreciate it, you know. Um, I can't say this is a perfect record, far from it. I do not like this side to stream Sonic, like those weird beat poetry moments. Neither of those were fun. Like the closer was just this weird collage of noise. It's like, oh, we have a sax Okay, what? whatever. Um, if they had cut those things out and just made this into an EP, I would have appreciated this one a lot more. So, but as it stands, I, I think it's, I, I like it. I put this one in B tier. I, I know that's going to piss off every Sonic Youth fan here, but I, I enjoyed it. Oh man, so. you're, you're encapsulating what Sonic Youth is about. Just you're becoming the Sonic Youth hipster. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Andrew, I, I'm glad you had a personal journey with this album, but I will put it above uh, Thousand Leaves here in D. And it can be the top of D. I'm fine I with that. No, it's I fine. Can't, yeah, I can't in good conscience put it in C or above. <laughs> what do you think, Ben? I agree. And actually, Andrew mentioned something that should be EP, and that's what I wanted to ask you about. So we're just talking about studio albums right now, right? Mm -hmm. But there's like the SYR uh, series of EPs. What is that? Or albums or what? That's do you know what that is, Michael? SYR, it's Sonic Youth, but it's like it looks like they're working with collaborators and it's more avant-garde. Um, I don't know. It's just probably just an era. Sonic Youth has a bunch of like these side projects that they go on. Sickone Youth is another one. I can mm. use this to highlight the Whitey album, which is one of my underrated faves where they put it under the Sonic Youth name, but they start inviting a bunch of collaborators in. Um, sorry, it's pronounced Sickone Youth. But yeah, it's probably just another one of those things. 
Right. So, so what I'm wondering here at the end of this discussion of this album is what makes a Sonic Youth album versus one of those side projects with a different name? That's what, that's what this feels like to me. Yeah. I don't know. And it's, it's just like, if it's Kim and I feel like if it's Kim and Thurston working on the same thing, then technically it's a Sonic Youth record. I don't, I, I can't really answer that for you or why some projects are under the name where others are solo projects or whatever, but. Now here at Dark Corners, all is calm and quiet and good. The kids are up late dreaming quiet questions in a graceful mood. Can you please pass me a jug of winter light? under the skin familiar with the things you wanted able now to take it all in making peace with every hole in the story Let's keep moving though. And just before we even start talking about this, how do y'all feel about this? Murray Street, right there in D. Murray Street. I, I just I just thought it was boring. What do you think, Andrew? Because you had this a little higher. Um yeah, I just put this in the bottom of A tier, but after reconsidering, I put it a little more to the closer top of B tier. I, I don't know. Like to me. Again, this is so. I should say this right now. Honestly, like we're coming up on honestly my favorite material. Some of my favorite material this band's done. I really enjoyed Nation Goo, but and, and Sister as well. It's like kind of th- that moment of this band's period, and then following uh, this record is where we're gonna get it. So this is like right before they. I think they started to become really, really good again. Um, and I, I think what I really like, what I like about this record remind me a lot of like these like the better side of adult contemporary of like the 90s not like you know the goo goo dolls or matchbox no screw those bands uh, i'm talking for more referring to like the counting crows the gin blossoms those are the i, I actually really enjoyed those bands i kind of got some of those some of that some twinges of the like you know those vibes here on this record uh it was cleaner um you know it, they kind of slowed it down a bit it was a little more uh it, it was this album was really pretty. I mean, straight up. I think that's what I really enjoyed about this. And I, I, I found myself enjoying with this band, oddly, which is the, this is the weirdest thing for me to say. When this band kind of dials it back, it's a little slower, it's a little more subdued, and it like gives more space to their notes, gives more space into creating interesting licks and uh, you know moments. And I think we're really going to see that in the next record. So honestly, this is just like this record to me is more than anything a, a, a precursor to things to come following this that I. I really liked from this band. So uh, for me, I think hmm. this is a B tier record. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Mm. You can put it lower on C tier. I'm fine with that. Like I'm fine. You can put it at the bottom of C. I'm fine with that. Then Here, here's what I'm, here's what I'm thinking. Andrew, you were just, the, the interesting thing about your description of this album is that you were just comparing Sonic Youth to a lot of other bands. And that, from here on out, for me, is a problem. 
I don't know what happened between, you know, the the last thing I really loved, which is like loved, which is probably the Diamond Sea, and this, but something happened. I don't know what it is, but now we're here, and Sonic Youth is sounding different, but not good different for me. Just like blander. I don't know. They sound less like themselves now. I, I'm not really sure what happened. I'm not sure if I don't even think there was a lineup shuffle between then and now. This just it sounded a lot like you know we had the Silver Sun pickups episode, and I didn't li- I didn't feature myself on that one as much. Um, but I listened to some of that music, and that's kind of what this is sounding like. Not in a, not saying that either kind is bad, but I'm just saying that it sounds like Sonic Youth is changing with the times in a sort of follow the leader kind of way and i don't really like it so that's yeah it's it's lower for me i think this is a good spot for it right and see andrew would you agree yeah that's fine with me okay we can move on to some good stuff like yes. you did you did say andrew that we're finally reaching a point where sonic is starting to get good again and i don't know what happened between murray street and sonic nurse i don't know if the you know thurston was just on some new drugs or whatever <laughs> it may have been but sonic nurse is the most underrated sonic youth album of all time and just in the past couple years it's finally starting to get the recognition it deserves in my opinion the, the atmosphere it creates is really reminiscent of Thurston Moore's um, solo stuff, um, Rock and Roll Consciousness, um, which is kind of the record that introduced me back into Sonic Youth when I was young. It just, it, it pummels you with the noise, but kind of layers it underneath all of this like really um, bassy guitar um, and the lyrics and the me- lyrical melodies all over this record just hit dude ranch nurse is such a good song pattern recognition is such a good song stones new hampshire and then peace attack is the closest thing you'll get to midwest emo that sonic youth will ever do and and i guess that is a sweet spot for me and i hope that doesn't bring it lower for you guys but yeah this the sound of this record just never came up on any other sonic youth record and i i fell in love with it and like I love revisiting this one and just picking out the songs that I haven't listened to as much and just saying like, wow, how good is this? It's so good. Um, I put uh, Sonic Nurse in S tier, honestly. And I think eventually um, the music community is going to look at this as a highlight of Sonic's career. Hmm. 
Um, if, if I may take the next range on this one, uh, Michael, I, I agree 100%. I, I loved this record. You know, this is one of the albums I was also kind of concerned about because I looked at this cover, like, I don't recognize this one at all. The fans don't seem to talk about it. Oh, no. But then, like, the second, the second I heard padded recognition, I'm like, Oh God, this is really good. What? <laughs> like, where did this come from? I wasn't expecting this. This is this is really really good. I think this had a lot of great dips and dives. Like, I think their band is really starting to learn something. I think this is one of the reasons why I really like this era. We're starting to hear some really interesting licks coming. I don't know. Again, I don't know. If I I'm, I'm not a guitar you know expert. I, I'm playing musicianship, so I can't tell if it's Thurston playing. I can't tell if it's Lee Ronaldo playing. But, um, you know, I I think this band. You know, um. I don't know, like you're starting to hear some really interesting licks on here. Some pretty decent riffs as well, but the licks is what I really enjoy. You know, it's kind of just this, just kind of letting these notes space out a bit and really like creating some interesting moments, intertwining it with like the, you know, the standard like tremolo picking and noise stuff that we hear from talking before. They're reaching back a bit for their old tricks, but they're kind of expanding their sound in a new direction. Um, yeah, this, 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 this record has some great you know, moments of just being really loud, but also kind of dipping down and needs to be uh yeah those records kick ass in every way and i 100 agree with you michael i love this record this goes in s tier for me as well hmm. i don't have a ton to say about sonic nurse i mean it didn't really move me one way or the other that's that's sort of what the i put this in b that's sort of what the middle of my list b and c were for were just things that it didn't i didn't dislike it didn't really love it either it's 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 i they reached their peak for me with their epic and and after that i think my expectations were just set too high i I was going to a point before where i felt like i was grading on a curve i was like "Mm, okay so i'll put this up here because it's like the best thing i've heard so far but i didn't really love it and then i heard uh washing machine sonic album and i was like oh well, this is us, obviously. And then after that, this stuff was kind of middling for me. I felt like they didn't reach the heights that they could. I, To me, put this where you want. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But to me, for me, the story of Sonic Youth can be the story of unachieved potential. Mm-hmm. Well, that wants me to put it at the top of A... I think, Ben, if you gave it a little more time, you could see why it could be moved up more. Um, just like, you know, it, t- it takes a couple listens, I think. Yeah. Well, that that is also something to point, point out here, too, is that, you know, Andrew and I were kind of rushing through this discography when they have lots of long stuff and lots of stuff you oh. really need to take your time with. So. I wish we could put it right on the line. <laughs> but I'm but I think bottom of S tier is a perfect place for this. Bottom of S tier. Bottom bottom perfect
we might be entering another S tier territory. I I know it, it certainly is for Andrew. For me, yeah. For me, this one is great. But I think I I I'm feeling a little more of what Ben's feeling um, on Rather Ripped, which came out in 2006. Obviously, Incinerate is a perfect song. Um, and I discovered some songs that I never would have came across if I didn't revisit this album. Uh, Jams Run Free. I've been listening to that all fucking day, guys. Like, I love that song. And um, Lights Out, too. Just such a great atmosphere and such a great, like, picture being painted with that song. Um, I think that... but. Unfortunately, Lee Ronaldo has his low point. I think Rats isn't that great of a song. Um, you know, I, and like uh, After Lights Out, the last three songs don't really hit hard for me. Um, when I see a song name the neutral, I'm, I, I go into it expecting like, oh, it's neutral. It's not that great. Um, but the A side of this record is, is pretty fantastic. I would put this in B for myself. Um, but Andrew, what do you think? Uh, yeah, so Rather Ripped was the top of S tier for me. Like, I, I was trying to, like I said, I was trying to see the objective. I may not have done it this one, but I don't care. Uh, this is, out of everything I've heard, this was my favorite Sonic Youth record. And that might be partially because I, I always really liked Incinerate, which is a big single off this record. Um, really enjoy that track. And I have to listen to this. I'm like, oh, yes, the rest of the album meets to that expectations that I have with Incinerate. I, I, I don't know how to describe why I love this record so much. Um, I think all of its drinks are fairly subtle. Um, you know, before you had like, like the atmosphere for Sonic Youth has always been very noticeable it's very it's very on the nose you know like how like you know how bad riot's supposed to make it feel you know how danger nation's supposed to make it feel you know how murray street's supposed to make it feel in my eyes um this one kind of had a range you know like it was so weird you had songs like incinerate with fairly dark lyricism but it sounded slightly upbeat but also this really dirty production to it. It's like, whoa, like there's, there's, you have a range going on there. It's just not, not even with just the songwriting within the, the, the message, the, the message and the, uh, the, the, the emotions that this album is conveying, there are peaks and valleys there within that. Um, I, I also like the production, the production is not amazing for understanding they like rushed through it, but I think the slightly fuzzed dirty production mixed in with like these really clean sounding notes actually does a lot of benefit for this record. I think, again, it gives it a lot of interest. It gives it a lot of friction. Um, I, I, you know, beyond that, I think the songwriting is great. I mean, these, these songs, it's a 15 minute record and these songs are finally, you know, I'm kind of feeling the same way Ben did about Dirty. Like, oh my God, like the longest song in here is like six minutes. Again, I like longer songs. Oh, sorry, the longest one's almost seven minutes, The Pink Stream, which is a great song. Um, you know, as much as I like longer songs, I think this band was just relying on that too much. And it was almost more for like, almost felt like a gimmick to them at some points rather than an actual like, trying to make decent music and quite frankly i think they use every note here perfectly um i disagree with you michael i think rats is a great you know atmospheric track that they did on here i really like the neutral it's actually probably my favorite kim gordon tracks i heard throughout this whole thing um you know incinerate i think is still a great single i love rena it's just, 
I love this whole record. This whole record works for me. And I know this is often regarded as the most accessible record musically, and I can see that. And some people might then harp on me for saying it's your favorite, you, you pled, but I, I don't care. This record is well written. It is well produced for what it's trying to convey. And I think just a lot of little subtle nuances on this record for me is what really sets us up like over everything else for me personally objectively yeah it probably should still be argued the daydream nations their best but i i don't know man I, I love this album so much and i think and i was really looking forward to like you know diving into this uh fully and I, my expectations were met with flying colors so that's why i have it on top of my list yeah i think ben might be the deciding factor right now um unfortunately for you andrew i'm I'm in the middle, but I lean more towards Michael's opinion here. I, I, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's on the better half of their stuff, but it feels and is admittedly from the band sell And I'm not a guy who's a cred guy or gives a shit about a band selling out. I just care if the music's good. The music's all right. Um, didn't totally work for me. I, if I was controlling this right now, I would put it probably after the diamond C or washing machine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's these, this, we're rounding it out here with stuff that I don't have a ton to say about. I think that there's some good tracks. I think that it's interesting hearing this band sort of try to make their most accessible album near the end of, of their run. I don't really know what the purpose of that is. So it's an interesting record in that way. But in, the, in one of the top three categories, I will be comfortable with it. It definitely belongs there. I just don't know where. Andrew, I have an interesting compromise for you because I know okay. you, you really favor the next one as well, The Eternal. You mm-hmm. have a soft spot for that one. So yes. I, will, I think a good compromise would be you can put one record on the tail end of A and one record at the top end of B. Um, All right, well then, my tail end of A is easily uh, rather ripped. So, okay. um, I think that's a good place for it, just because yeah. it's accessible and it's Sonic Youth at the end of their career saying, hey, come check us out. For this new generation of people, yeah. we'll find something you like. And, and, you know, and, and for this, you know, I kind of said at the top, you know, I want to make one more point about this and we'll move on. You know, I said at the top that, you know, I think this band's more about gear than musicianship. And I, th- I think that when you get to records like Rather Ripped, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think you get a lot of really interesting, you know, picking here. You get a lot of interesting, you know, like your riffs and licks and whatnot. And I, I just know this, this album's just a joy for me to listen to, but it also has this weird undertone of darkness again. I, just, I won't go more into it. I just, yeah, I really like this record, so.
And finally, we will wrap up on The Eternal, The Eternal Sonic Youth. This is the album that they ended with in 2009. Uh, Kim and Thurston split up in 2011, a couple years after this. This was the band's last hurrah at a uh, full-length LP. They did a couple like sessions and live albums after this, which are pretty good in their own right. But this was the last uh, dive into new music in its entirety. And I got to say, um, this one... It, is not memorable for me at all. It's not memorable, mostly because I don't want to remember Sonic Youth going out in this era. I want to see Sonic Youth end with Rather Ripped or Sonic Nurse. Um, this one was kind of just like summarizing this era for me. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really have the strong tracks that they saved for Sonic Nurse and Rather Ripped. Um, that being said, um, I think this was a good goodbye. Um, record um and it's very rare that goodbye records are strong um i think it's good for what it is but um is it needed not for me man um let's hear from ben first all right well for me the most the most significant thing about this album is that uh the guy mark eibold from pavement he's playing bass on here that's cool Mm-hmm. Uh, pavement actually also brings up another point to make really quickly which is in this last period of sonic youth thurston morris starts sounding a lot like a poor man stephen malcolmus to me i don't know why maybe it's his delivery maybe he's like double tracking a lot of stuff which malk was doing a lot with pavement i don't know that's just a side note um i i yeah this this sort of feels so in journalism we write with the inverted pyramid this kind of feels like, you know, your little paragraph at the end of the story you can cut off if you want and it won't make much of a difference. Like, it, there's a, a Kinks song called Hatred that's really cool. It's about the Davies brothers hating each other and they sing it as a duet. And if we would have gotten an album of stuff like that from these two people who are at loggerheads with each other at this point, but still in a band together, that would have been interesting. But it's not that. It's just kind of like... It's there. It's all right. Also, my final problem with this album, my main problem with this album, is that it's set up in such a way, look it up if you're on the the audio version of this show, it's set up in such a way where it says Sonic Youth at the top and The Eternal at the bottom. Why didn't they flip those? The Eternal Sonic Youth is obviously what it should say. That's how you introduced it. Right. Right. They didn't do that. And that is, eh, I, I wouldn't call it a total misfire, but it, I don't need to go back to it for any reason. Andrew? Well, again, I have to say, I really like this post-2000s material. Um, I put this one in eights here for me. Um, you know, my girlfriend, you know, she wanted, uh, this is her favorite Sonic Youth record. I think she pretty much said it's either this or maybe rather ripped, maybe even dirty. It's kind of fast between those. Um, and I was listening, I was driving, we were driving down to uh, a cider mill on Halloween, you know, passing, we, and we put this record on to listen. And I was like, and I, and, I, and I got why. I think this record's really, really solid. I think it's a pretty decent farewell for, for this band. You know, I think 
they've reached what I really like about this one. They've reached back into their catalog. They pull out some of the old sounds. I, I mean, I got some of the old like snarky attitude and songs like anti orgasm, which is an anti-war song kind of centered around like how people lust for war, which by the way, they ripped off, they ripped off that idea from L seven. They did it better on Wargasm. Go listen to bricks are heavy. It's a great record, but that's besides the point. I think that song was still pretty fun. Uh, I really like poison arrow and, you know, star scare tricks. It was really good. Uh, leaky life, but was fun. I mean, the, I think you mentioned, you know, on Cuba and you really like, cause I really like that record. Cause it said, cause it sounded like they were having fun. And honestly, I heard some of that on here too. You know, on top of, you know, just being able to combine their old stuff, their old sounds, their old tricks with uh, the stuff they've learned from the previous material. Um, and, then, and I really appreciate it for that. Um, it's a little long. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little bloated. There's probably a couple of songs they could have cut from here. Uh, but other than that, yeah, this was, this was eight, eight tier for me. I know it's not going to go here on this list and that's fine, but I, I found myself really enjoying th what, what this band had had to offer in the later, late, later years. I don't know if I can exactly pinpoint why, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I just have a soft spot for 90s sounding rock. So that might be it. Well, I can think of no better place for it than right there. Mm. I think, would I think the top of B tier is perfect. Yeah. Um, I know the Diamond C. Yeah, like, Michael. Mm -hmm. Michael, I, I gotta say, I really want you to do me a favor and and do it like a sock and put it behind the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, oh I put it there just for the pun. I, I, I feel I, I'm only against it because it's that really gross joke. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I will, I will accept it nonetheless. All right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Sonic Youth, their 15 album discography laid out in tier list form. Um, I know Andrew has limited time here, so we can get right into recommendations. All I would say is Sonic Youth is, they're all legends. Kim and Thurston are just icons in alternative music. Um, they changed the generation. They changed how we can listen to music, and they inspired so many of the modern musicians, noise musicians, avant-garde, whatever, art rock, what have you, um, that would come in the 2000s, 2010s that I am falling in love with. Um, Sonic Youth is the roots of a lot of things. Um, and I'm glad you guys had the opportunity to listen to all of it. Um, yeah. Go listen to Sonic Youth. That's all I got to say. Anything else, you guys? I think you hit the nail on the head. Cool. I mean, I'm pretty good as well. Um, I have to say, I, I will be listening to Sonic Youth further. Thank you again, Michael. And I now understand. I think I do understand why they're one of your favorite bands. So, I, I've been talking a lot this episode. I started every one of them. So, 
why don't you want to you guys start the recommendations off andrew you can go first if you want to since you got to go yeah that's that's fine with me um I will recommend, I, I'm, we've skipped recommendations this past few weeks, so I'm kind of a backlog of stuff I want to recommend. So, but I'm going to go with one that these two have already heard because I've already shoved it down their throats. So sorry, you got to hear it again. But uh, I was browsing through some post-punk playlists. Yep, more post-punk for me. And I don't remember which playlist it was in Spotify. I saw the song, but I came across a song called Promised the Land by Skeletal, Skeletal Family. I don't know, I always pronounce the word skeletal. Apparently that's not correct. Uh, whatever. It's just one of those weird things I guess I picked up throughout my life. Uh, and I was like, okay, it looks interesting. I'll listen to it. And I was immediately blown away. I was like hooked. Like, it's just one of those things you hear and you're hooked instantly. Uh, there's just this crazy good blaring guitar riff that opens it off and uh, just this amazing hook and vocal melody from the lead singer. I forget her name off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, this band's really good. Uh, they released a couple, looks like they released the couple studio records throughout their time in the together in the 80s i know they switched uh singers singers a couple times um looks like they've also released a lot of eps and singles because most of like the most of their music on spotify is in like a bunch of compilations so it must be kind of one of those bands that released a lot of shorter material and released it later on but yeah i think it's a really solid po like post-punk band that leads more on the punk side of that um uh, I really do want to play Promised Land for you, though, and uh, I've been no Ben's going to do that here in post. So let's listen. Let's give a listen to Promised Land. showing it to me and i enjoy it um i'm gonna be playing something something that happens to me a lot in this digital age of music there are lots of times where i'll go on spotify i'll listen to my discover weekly i'll be like "Ooh, this song's good and i'll put it on my big ass playlist what, what my biggest playlist is like yeah five thousand songs almost and then i'll forget about it but eventually it'll come up and shuffle or i'll go back there and i'll listen to it again and i'll say oh that's why this is here. And today I had that moment with the song Piss River by Kevin Morby. Kevin Morby is one of those guys who holds in high reverence uh, the same artists I do, Velvet Underground, Bob Dylan, people like that. And he shows it in his lyrics. The lyrics of Piss River are truly poetry. And it sounds like it's going to be some sort of vulgar, weird punk song. It's, it's more in the vein of... Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe one of your, your Grateful Dead, more low-key epics, maybe one of your longer Bob Dylan songs. Uh, just an excellent song, beautiful poetry. I'm going to play you all of the third verse here because it, it really moved me in the car today. So I, I just wanted to share this with everybody. Do you want to play chess inside my chest? You move, I move. 
you choose, I choose And who, 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 I beg Like an owl, I sit on my perch And I stare and I scowl I know I left you, but I cannot forget you Now I only know how to harm or upset you See, I came for your love, but I stayed for your anger You rocked me more like a baby in a manger And oh, my God, mama, I'm angry I know you are, darling She's angry too In oh, my God, mama, at My, fun, my recommendation um, kind of goes in tandem with what this episode's about. Um, and it's coming out of nowhere because I'm recommending a composer, not a musician. But uh, it's not classical music by any means. Of course, it's, uh, I'm talking about Steve Reich, um, who is a New York um, electronic composer. He, some of its stuff is electric, some of it's not, um, mostly to do with strings. But um, yeah, electric counterpart part or fast yeah electric counterpart three fast these composers i don't know what they're talking about but it's really good um and the and steve reich is uh friends with uh lee and thurston and um and kim uh when they had an apartment in new york and kind of that entire all of the music that came out of new york uh the art and the um the avant-garde uh has something to do with sonic youth in some ways so um, I, I cannot go into depth on what Steve Reich is about. All I can say is that he's been consistently creating music since the 1960s. So that's something to behold by itself. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get deeper into his music than this song, but goddamn, it's a great buildup and perfect example of, uh, um, rock meets classical question mark. So there you go. that ladies and gentlemen we will conclude this episode of sonic youth um yes. what's your name what's our <laughs> what's our next i found it correctly uh it's uh, the next installment of the second installment i should say of hidden in the mitten yes yes I'm so for this gonna give more small bands some shout outs as they do i love talking about smaller bands so uh yeah that should be a fun one um of course, uh, 
uh, hopefully the world's not in flames by that point, but <laughs> might be when uh, this album gets released or when this episode gets released, who knows? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But, well, but hopefully that will not be the case. Yeah, um, we all on the streets when we protest. <laughs> Go back, listen to our protests episode if you need some inspiration. Yeah. Um, although I, I think that's everything I need. Uh, you guys want anything else? That is it for me, Ben Ackley. Uh, no, I, I think we, we had some success today. New format that will return. I'm excited for Hidden in the Mitten. I'm taking a back seat there. We're hoping to have someone in the guest chair. So, mm-hmm. With that, what's the thing we say at the end of every episode? Good night, Good night Detroit. Detroit.